First, I'd like to thank Marina Abramovic for agreeing to become the next James T. Dimitian lecturer, and my colleague Glenn Dixon, who worked with me to come up with the following questions. The podcast is a result of conversation I'm having with Marina Abramovic in New York on March 22nd. A year ago, at this time, you were in the second week of your MoMA retrospective, The Artist is Present, where you spent over 700 hours, three months performing. You were sitting in the enormous museum's atrium across from a visitor who stood in line to have the opportunity to sit in front of you and thus later on bond with you. For many, including those in the surrounding crowd, it was a powerful emotional experience to watch you. You seem to break down the distance between performer and viewer. Can you talk about this special relationship in which the viewer becomes part of making the performance? It's really interesting that you're mentioning um, that is, you know, two weeks exactly a year ago, I was in the middle of the, I was the beginning actually and of this, starting this uh, long journey of artists' present performance, who I have to say really changed my life in many different ways. And uh, I was today driving upstate, from upstate New York to New York, and I was thinking, God, you know, I'm in the car, I'm driving, beautiful day, and I was in this moment sitting in MoMA, and there was a journey who I was not even knowing I could be able physically and mentally to end and to really bring to the, to the, you know, kind of um, resolution on the, on the, on the, on the performance. So um, this piece um, is probably the longest durational piece I've ever done in my life. Um, not thinking about uh, walking the Great Wall of China, who was also 90 days, it was also three months performance. Mm -hmm. But with the big difference, the public was not there and was not uh, present in, with me. Which, and also, this was a very dynamic uh, situation, which every day I would walk a certain amount of kilometers and you know, sleep in the night and walk again. So it was nothing to do with this uh, uh, static, motionless experience I had in MoMA. Um, if you do performance uh, that long, like uh, three months, it's like life itself. It's more than that. It's like, you know, the ones that, the, the, you know, your own reality of everyday life as used to stop existing and you create a new system, new different type of reality which you start living and become like, you know, like the real life. You, need, you see till now that you always see the public as a group. And uh, when you're invited to, you know, the, for the performance events, they come as a group. But in, in this case, uh, how the performance was um, actually staged, the idea was that the, the public is individuals. They are not group. They are, the experience is one-to-one -one with an artist. And, that was, and then also the conditions were set up. They are different than normal. The, my conditions was that public send up the condition, how long they're going to sit with me, when they're going to stand up, and, uh, and um, you know, to, to um, be there, whatever their the decision, um, the, you know, their the own decision they, they made. So in that case, I was like a kind of vulnerable position, ready to accept whatever, you know, situation is. It's coming out of that experience. And the, the thing with the public was that I, when I set up this idea of performance, the curator said to me, oh, but you know, maybe you have to beware that the chair opposite of you will be mostly empty. 
because they could not even believe that actually that would be this interaction with the public, being in New York, especially with the public in America, never have time. People don't have time here. The, you know, the, the, the development technology, Internet, situation how we live our life is always like, you know, next thing, next thing, next thing. And it's like uh, zapping through the television programs, z zipping through the wall, through, the, through your own life in the same time. Mm -hmm. So to come and sit, and not just to sit for 10 minutes or 5 minutes, but to sit for hours in the front of somebody else is unthinkable here in this country. And then not only that you're sitting in the front of her, but you have to wait till the point to sit. So came the situation that, you know, as the, the, the performers develop, the public will wait longer and longer because we will take, people take more and more time in the front of me to, to, to interact with performance, till the point that in entire May came the situation that the museum closed 6 o'clock, public will go outside and just, you know, they wait till the next morning through the night, which we really never happened to, to another situation like that. So that was, that the waiting become part of the piece itself. And the whole idea was really relate, relating with the time experience in a different than any other performance ever been done. So obviously the work, what you said once, is this work is much you as it is me. So as the time developed, they became, the, the visitors became determining how the piece is going to develop. Um, it actually doesn't surprise me also that you had so many visitors there because you already did a piece not that long, but the one in which you were involved in the rituals of everyday life, the house with the ocean view. And it was also about ceremony of endurance but I think that you created this piece in New York, particularly for New York public, because of their experiences of 9-11. You know, this was uh, actually, this piece was very important been done before the piece I made uh, in MoMA, because the House with Ocean View was really another experiment. What will happen if an artist purifies himself by drinking only water for a certain period of time, without talking, without, you know, the, uh, eating any food? And, uh, and then, if he purifies himself, if he can purify the space around him, and can space and himself actually um, affect the audience coming to see this, uh, this work, and lose the feeling of time and just be there and be present in the present. Because, you know, if we, we in all our life, we always experience, we always think on past, which happened. We always think the future didn't happen, but we are projecting the future. And we constantly dismissing the present. And present is the only reality we have. So the idea of House with Ocean View is to create a situation with that kind of purification state of mind of the, of the artist, that actually the public come there and forget about time and stay in presence. And I didn't expect it will work at all, as I said, because of the, of the, the way how, you know, uh, everything is so fast in, in New York, especially New York's uh, way of life. But that was uh, already incredible because people will come there for five minutes and they will find themselves four hours sitting and they'll find themselves next day coming and waiting to gallery open to go and interact with me. So that was already the, the kind of um, situation established. But when I started this piece, right in the beginning of that piece, I felt that I had a huge mistake because I created these three objects on the wall, like, you know, the, the, the bathroom, the, mm -hmm. the sitting room, and, and, and the sleeping room, which I, uh, which I um, uh, live in, and, uh, with, and with the three letters uh, who were made with knives, which, so that it was impossible to come down from that structure. 
But the point was that everybody coming from the public, they would stand there in the gallery and look for me up because I was somewhere up. Mm-hmm. But the idea mm-hmm. for me was to create image. But they very soon realized that I, should, I was creating some kind of iconic uh, the image mm-hmm. of altar, which, mm-hmm. which was a kind of worship, which was not my idea at all. And I felt it very disturbing during the piece that this really happened without, you know, being aware of it. So when I came out of this present situation, I really insist that the, 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 the simple situation with the table and two chairs will be on the ground. And the, the relation is absolutely democratic and equal between me and audience. And later on, the last months, I understood that even the table was not necessary. So yeah, this, it was just two chairs. Uh, well, uh, because I, I came twice, and indeed I saw the table, and then I didn't see the table. And I thought, this is fascinating. Obviously, this performance is evolving. Yeah. Why did you remove the table? Or why was the table there to begin with? I find the table is kind of comforting, because you can put your hands on but it. Never, but nobody put any hands on it. <laughs> there was no hands on the table. It was the t- it was, I was thinking to create some kind of everyday image mm-hmm. of the conversation yeah, that you right. can see you can have in your own kitchen or with the friends or in the cafe, the table, two chairs, something like everyday, uh, everyday image with a twist that is like another mm-hmm. kind of gaze without you know, any kind of talking involved between the, the, the two, two uh, participants. And then, you know, in, sometime in, uh, in April came this man in wheelchair and he had so much pain in himself and I was looking at him and I realized that I don't even know if this man have a leg or not because the table was mm-hmm. obstructing the view and it was just, you know, cutting mm-hmm, the point. Mm-hmm. And I said, how conventional I am and why I need a table in the first place. I don't need. You know, sometimes, especially when you're a young artist, you need so much props to, because of your insecurity, because you think it's not enough, and because you, 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 you think that public need more, you know. And to actually deduct and make it more simple and more empty and more, it's, it's really about that. And when I realized that I actually don't even need a table, it was just the two chairs, what I need, then the piece really become the, in the most, it really created this essence, which was what piece was about. Because in the, in the artist's present, there is no story. There is nobody happening. There is no anybody, it's no development, it's no narrative, it's not the end, of, you know, beginning, the middle and the end. It's just nothing. It's just about being, and that's the hardest thing to do. It's interesting that you talk about the time and how much people spend time with you and that it's so unlike New York and maybe so unlike of many of the modern cities. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think people crave for it because it's really about healing traumatic experiences? And of course, it's very easy to put our hand on it and say, okay, the house with the ocean view, which was done in 2002, is linked with 9-11. But the artist's present is not necessarily linked to anything. So is the piece, is your work ultimately, during this period of time, about healing traumatic experiences, going through some kind of collective experiences? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's much more simple than that. I think that the the human being in general, as Paul Virillo mentioned in one of his books, it's lost his own center. We don't have our own center anymore because the entire development technology, the entire system of life, it's, it's just uh, completely displaced us. We, we really, we lost our fireplace. You know, the one of the reasons he was, is, is complaining why, you know, why people smoke. Because before, you know, we had the fireplace. Now we replace smoking our fireplace in our body. But it's basically, yeah, we lost our fireplace. That's what I mean symbolically. 
and uh, and I think that the experiences are so kind of partial, and everything is you know like the, the young generation, of the the kids don't even read the books anymore. They will you know Google, they get all information to the computer, you know, and it's fast information and very, very uh, you know, and and they don't come and sit with the book and read from the beginning to the end. So the kind of shortage of time, not enough, um, you know, the the. Uh, kind of spending time with your own self and finding you know who you are in the first place it's really a result that is even when you see the art as you say you go through the galleries you've been told this is this is that and there's a, sometimes a group uh, demonstration and sometimes you just run through that place you've been there but you don't have time to be touched or experienced so this is why I think when here there was opportunity that you can sit in this chair opposite of me and not be in any uh, no, in any kind of verbal conversation, just this eye contact, which eyes are like a, like a door of the soul. You can see everything through the eyes much more than, than in any kind of conversation. It's open this incredible experience. So the public will come literally and cry. You know, the people come and cry and cry. They, they, I was the mirror of, of their own self. You know, I just was there, the trigger, and they will, you know, open up. I never forget this. Uh, big guy who was like a full of tattoos, looked like Hell's Angel, and he was angry because he was maybe waiting too long, he was pissed and said, what is it all about, you know, I want, he was going to sit there, you know, was sitting and said, what the shit is she doing there? And ten minutes later, he was not only crying, he was weeping, he was shaking his body, and it was something that tremendously happened to him, because, you know, I created this, I staged the situation very carefully with the four big lights, which are always used to make the movies, uh, you know, outside. You can see the, in the city, these four lights when they're making the shoot in the movies. I, I, but I staged to create the kind of light field. So when you enter into that situation after waiting quite long and sit on that chair, everything blur around. You don't see anything. So the only thing that stays is my face and then later on my eyes and then even my eyes blur out. And somehow you're there just with yourself. And how much time you and how much possibilities or, or situations you have to be just with yourself. But in that kind of frame situation. And it's so special that the people lost feeling of time and they just stay there. I mean, I have this man who the first day came two and a half hours, second day came and sit seven hours from the beginning to the end, then sit 21 hours, 21 times after during three months. And they present me with this incredible book of the 75 people who sit more than 12 times with me, who create some kind of group, and they're meeting every... They're not even... They never knew each other before. Some of them just came first time to the museum, not even from art background. But they create the kind of group who are connected with that incredible deep experience they never had anywhere else. And they are now seeing each other once a month for the dinners, for lunches. Paco, the guy who sits, you know, 21 hours, and he tattooed 21 big number on his, on his arm, he presented with this book with this, with this 75 people who actually wrote in this book. And it's like a unique piece. And what is amazing, incredible, is also guards. We have 86 guards in the museum who guard the art, and you know, and they are very happy on the weekend not to come back to the museum because they're off. They will come back in day off, in the time when they are not supposed to work in the civilian clothes, just to wait in the line to sit with me. And that's something that is moving for me. That means that art left this kind of protected art scene and, and kind of you know VIP situation and went into, into real life. Uh, can we, because you mentioned young people and that young people do not have time or they are in a situation when they do not have opportunities, could we talk about the people who did your performances because they were all young people 
And obviously they have gone through a training. No, with not you. all. There was not a few. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, could we talk about, or could you tell us? No, this was 50 years old. This, this, lady this training and what it also meant for you and how much time have you taken and how much time have they taken and how they have responded. It took almost one year of preparation you know, to do auditions. I made almost 250 people audition in order to choose uh, 39 people. And then it was 40 exactly, 40 people who really performed some historical pieces. I want to have much less people, but because of the American Union, because of the, the museum rights, I could not do this. So I, they can only maximum work two and a half hours, depends on the piece. Of the piece is very difficult, one hour or one and a half hour. And even some of the restrictions were that the piece would be only 15 minutes, which was ridiculous for me. I could never do it. Uh, the piece on the bicycle seat called Luminosity, the lawyers of the MoMA would come and say the, the person have to have helmet, security bell, and only 15 minutes, which completely the kind of collide with the entire idea of the piece. So the piece will not anymore be the same, and I could not agree on that. And I also argue that American museums, with this kind of restrictions, are really actually... Um, um, how, not only damaging, but they're kind of restricting the, 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 the artist and they can't develop their own work. And I see that some very important pieces of, of uh, performance art and also installations were done in Europe. They will never be existed if they will be in America because of restrictions. So I think that the, the ones that the artists and museums should look into that because that was really my biggest problem. And I, nobody even believed that Museum Mama would go so far to even permit naked people in the entrance and all this rest because of the of, you know, nudity issues and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I think that the Mama went as far as the law can permit, I have to say. And we had this incredible collaboration with, the, with um, uh, the guards because, you know, it's one thing if you, uh, the dancers or performance artists, to perform in a kind of um, control environment when the public is sitting and you're looking something else. But it's another situation when you're dealing with museum in a, in a normal day, which is between 12,000 to 20,000 people. We had the maximum, even the moments we had the, on the weekends, 20,000 people, which actually have to cross past two naked people between each other. So, you know, the, in the beginning we have the, the, the three of these people fainting because it was like, you know, it's, it's, it's unthinkable. It's so much energy, so much different different um, attitude of the, each person audience and the guards who have to keep control. It was really amazing to, to do that. But I have to do the, the, the I have to, I call, make a choice, you know, what I'm going to, how I'm going to uh, audition these people. So I wanted to mostly to audition performance artists, but the problem with performance artists are they have a terrible relation to their body, and most of the time the body is very fucked up. Because performance artists, they, they, all the work is, comes from the control with their mind, but the body is like all overweight or not trained or, you know, too much uh, alcohol, too much this, too much that. Well, so, because they are really working on the willpower. So when you have to do performance, I don't know, in, in, in a Tuesday and it's three hours, you do performance Tuesday, three hours, but then you have five months to recover, which dancers are training every day and have a completely trained body and different attitude toward their health. So when I was training here, I very much so realized that actually performance artists could not do something with three months. Because, because you need a training. So I have to make a combination between performance artists, really, and the dancers. And I have the one lady's performance artist who was 50 years old, and she was doing really great. Mm -hmm. And I wish to have the older people, but I, I could not do it because it was like that problem, the physical training, you know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I took them to the, to the countryside, upstate New York, 
to train them, like you know, five days with five days with no food, no no talking, uh, doing heavy physical and mental exercises to for their perception, for their willpower, to self-control, and so on. Just to train the, the the mind and the body, and to see what they're going to be in the front of them when they come to MoMA. And it was wonderful the, the group of people I had because on the first three days we had the people fainting in the, in, in this piece in Poderabilia when they're at the door of the museum, and then there was you know the the, the museum asking them to stop and they say no we're going to adopt this we're going to control that and they didn't want to stop which is great and they really went through this fainting experience and came out and then continued to perform without actually giving up and this is all what is about performance really not so performance up. really it's something that you will also talk during your Dimitrian lecture the difference between performance and the theater which is really the difference between being and seeing seeming uh, would you say that that's the difference? Because performance is really not about acting, or is it about acting for those who who did your performance? You know, if you do three months performance, you you, you can't pretend, you can't act, you can't be somebody else. It's it, it, it's so raw and it's so true, and you're there like open and vulnerable. And the difference between theater and, and performance is very simple. In the theater, knife is not a knife, blood is not the blood. In the performance, knife is knife and blood is blood. <laughs> It's very real, and you know, and it's not kind of black box that you are playing somebody else, and you know, and and the emotions are, you know, pretending, or you know, even if the best actor can get into the character, still you're in the character. Performance is a different story. It's about kind of reality in space and time. And when I say to, to, people ask me what is performance art, I can say performance art is the mental and physical construction in which performer enter in a specific space, in specific time, in the front of audience. You said when you when we were talking that to do such a performance like the one you did at MoMA is a huge sacrifice. Could you talk about that? You know, to make performance in MoMA for me was a two years of preparation. It was like, a, you know, taking going to the NASA space program basically, because I have to deal with my weight, my nutrition, the the I have to with my health issues. I have to deal with the idea that I can't. They have to be motionless. That I can't go to the bathroom seven hours most of the time, but also ten hours on Fridays, which is much more extended time. I have to take care of the water that I have to take enough during the night while I'm sleeping. I have to have enough rest and every almost 40 minutes drinking the water, go to pee, drinking the water, go to pee through the whole night in order to have enough water and that I can, you know, do in the all day the, 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 my work. And it was so many of these practical issues and then a part of this, the mind matter, the concentration, the being there in presence, the, you know, and, and so on and so on. And, uh, and even through the, all these preparations, I still have to do it. was still incredibly painful because, you know, the body is instrument, but after a while, the, if you sit for such a long time, the, all the, you know, ribs go into your organs <laughs> and, and you have swelling in your legs, you have the body pains, your low back pains. I had so much pain, the, 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 you know, the, during this piece that sometimes I could not even lift my hands to take the dress off. But during the, the, the each Piece when the public was sitting in front of me, I really didn't, was not focused on pain. It was only when I stopped. Like, you, I was like going back into the body and then start. And then, you know, the total isolation of three months that you are not communicating, they are not, you know, doing any kind of, um, you know, 
uh, being part of the normal, you know, your life or world. So it's it's a it's it was a big responsibility to me to do it and to, you know, be able to physically to survive. And after the performance, you know, in the beginning it was like a few days, there was euphorical about, but then I opened the, the door of the fridge and I was one month stuck with the terrible back, back pains, you know, that I have to, you know, lie down. And, and it took me a long time, and I think it's only now, you know, now is still not all year. In May it will be an entire year. I think it will take almost one year of recovery, you know, to go back into the normal life. So in your work you have often exposed yourself to all kinds of different risks. Are there any risks that, in retrospective, you wish you had not taken? No, no. I, I really don't think so. I never regret anything, and I have to say that my list of things that I still want to do is not that long. <laughs> well, let's talk then about the future. Um, I was really excited to find out that you are starting a non-for-profit performance centers that you are developing in uh, Hudson in New York, But I also found recently that you are developing another one in former Yugoslavia in Montenegro. Is this what you are putting all of your efforts into at the moment and why? You know, it's very important when you come to the third part of your life, you're thinking about your legacy. And I've always been thinking about my legacy. And in my work, education was, was always an important part of my work. I mean, education of new generation performance artists and giving unconditional my experience to them because it's interesting kind of um, exchange. They can give me the sense of spirit of time we live in and I can give them my, my experience. And I think it's kind of important to see where the performance goes. And I spend all my life, you know, fighting for the, for the rights of performance and, uh, and then to me to open these institutes are very important because when you die, you, you can't take with you anything, but the good idea stays forever. So I'm for the good idea who stays forever. And uh, so I just recently got the invitation from the new president of Montenegro, who is only 36 years old, just amazing, who actually gave me this former fridge factory from, made, uh, you know, constructed in the 50s from the Tito time. This fridge factory used to um, um, how you employ 8,000 workers. We are talking about the enormous complex in the middle of Cetinje, which 28 huge halls which produce the fridges. And uh, it's 180,000 square meters of, of the space. And so they to, to give the concept for development, and I give them the concept, which will be the large communication center with the five of these halls who just make dedicated to the film industry, producing the movies, producing theater pieces, uh, having fairs, uh, art fairs, doing the, the you know all kinds of activities. And uh, they accept the concept, and now they name it on my name is going is going to be Marina Bramwich Community Center Obot, which the name is the, of the place, and it's going to be like a sister place to the Hudson, which I'm creating now here upstate New York as Institute of Performance Art. So here is going to be more specific. In Hudson, I just want to create long duration works of art, but in different categories like film, dance, theater, um, the video, and performance, and even opera. And the, the, the one in Montenegro is going to be really multidisciplinary center. Mm -hmm. So now I'm trying to um, ask uh, Rem Kohaus and his OMA, you know, the, the, the brain tank uh, 
play the, the, the architects to develop the concept for these two centers and how they can communicate together. So we are working, and this is really the legacy. I, you know, I hope they finish before I leave <laughs> this source. Thank you very much. You have been extraordinarily generous. We look forward to listening to you and seeing you at the Hiron on April 5th. And of course, we are looking forward to all of the things that you are still going to do in the future. Thank you, you are so indeed much. amazing artists. Thank you so much. It's so much to do still, you know. It's, it's really about creating that legacy of performance art. That's really something. You know, my whole life is spent in this effort to create performance art as a, as a, as a mainstream art and not as alternative. We've always been till now. So that's really main thing. And you know, when I was doing the performance in uh, in MoMA, they said to my generation artists said to me, "But why you have to put this effort? You're doing performance, you're doing retrospective. You can have great dinner, go home, and everybody happy. And you've done it. You historical input. But to me, to create artists' present, there's extra energy to put into this performance was so necessary, not as a my retrospective, but as a future for any other artist coming my way who is doing performance to understand." that actually can be, you know, mainstream art, same as a video, same as a photography, same as a video installations. Like, till now, you know, performance was no, it was like a nobody territory, and that's all my, you know, future plans. Thank you.